Welcome back, everybody. My name is Cassidy Walker, and welcome to my course project for Principal-Centered Leadership and Ethics. On today's episode, I'll be answering the questions involved with step number five. Now let's put our hard hats on and get to work. First up, stages of team development. Leading Teams, which is chapter 10 of our course textbook, The Leadership Experience by Richard Daft, indicates that the five steps of team development are forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. During the forming stage, team members are learning about each other and the project at hand. This is really where those team norms are being developed. As a leader, I would help facilitate conversations and communication among the group um, by being inclusive and making sure everyone had the opportunity to speak up. I would also aid in establishing the guidelines and parameters of the project. In the storming stage, the group is a bit more turbulent. Uh, group members really start to get assertive and vocally disagree with each other. Uh, the, the team lacks cohesion. This stage uh, really signifies a pivotal moment because if the team can't move past this, the project won't succeed. As a leader, um, it would be my job to facilitate team member participation by helping them work through their differences of opinion and find common ground. During the norming stage, the team has resolved their disputes and found that unity and agreement again. Each member of the team is clear on what their specific role is. This stage is typically short um, and kind of moves seamlessly into the next stage. As a leader, I would facilitate the communications necessary to provide openness among team members and clarity in what their roles and expectations are. In the performing stage, the team is hyper-focused on the mission and reaching their goals, and their actions reflect that. As a leader, I would help facilitate that high-task performance and guide the team in their self-managing. Finally, during the adjourning stage, the team has completed the project, um, they're wrapping up, they're disbanding. As a leader, um, I would you know, facilitate the recognition of the team's efforts. You know, it wouldn't have to be a medal or a trophy necessarily, but definitely some sort of acknowledgement. It would also tend to the social and emotional needs the team members may have upon conclusion of the project. Now we'll move on to effects of differences in power distance. When followers subscribe to a low power distance as a social value, can impact their interactions with a leader who displays high power distance in many different ways. An article featured on the website Project Abroad um, entitled Power Distance, What Does It Mean to Be a Good Boss by Marta Zielinska discusses several of these discrepancies. In a high power distance culture, um, it is expected to use formal communication styles and titles and seniority are very important. It is expected that you won't voice your opinion in a meeting unless you are asked to do so. And that opinion should not disagree with your boss. On the other hand, someone who prefers a low power distance culture would be much more informal with their communication style. And they definitely don't place as much importance on someone's title. 
Um, they would refer to their boss by their first name and, um, you know, ignore the, the structure. They don't obey a, an organizational hierarchy. Um, you know, they would cut out the middleman and go around their boss if that's where they could find the answer. I mean, they're much more likely to voice their opinions in a meeting, even if those opinions are contrary to the opinions of their manager. You know, this is obviously not something that someone in a high power distance culture would want. You know, there, there needs to be an order to things and those in a low power distance culture don't subscribe to that as much. Ultimately, if an employee who prefers low power distance culture worked for a business that followed a high power distance culture, that employee would have to change everything about the way they interact with leaders in the organization. The two are fundamentally different. And in order to be successful, the employee would have to adhere to the high power distances rules of interaction or they wouldn't likely be able to work there. And that wraps up step number five of my course project. Again, I'd like to cite chapter 10, Leading Teams of our course textbook, The Leadership Experience by Richard Daft, and Project Abroad's article, Power Distance, What Does It Mean to Be a Good Boss by, Mar by Marta Zielinska. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cassidy Walker, and I'll chat with you again next week.